the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. And now, Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. Here's Rob Black. Welcome in. Another Monday, another dollar, another weekend fast. Got the work week ahead of us. It's Rob Black and your money, talking all things financial. Talking about your money, talking about your investments, talking your emails, anything that's on your financial peeping brain. Don't be shy with your emails, calls, posts, whatever. I'm alluding to there's numerous ways to be involved in the show. For instance, for instance, one of the ways to be involved in the show is to uh, call the show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. You can also drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Theory, probably a little bit better than stock questions via email. I prefer the stock questions to be called in so I can do a little bit of, you know, checking in on you and figuring out where you're actually coming from and what your ideas are based on. So don't be shy with the phone calls. Don't be shy with the emails. And I also have a Facebook page group, I Hate Rob Black. It's a group page called I Hate Rob Black. Stocks today. I start heavily on stocks on this show. Stock, start heavily on stocks and stock markets and what's moving them and what's not. Then I start to shift ever so slightly into more financial planning tips and hints and strategies. And that could range from anything from what type of insurance to buy, to prepaying your mortgage or not, to how to save for college, to should you even go to college? College in this day and age, is it's, the price is escalating faster than inflation. And thus, the rewards that you get from it, uh, not as much as you used to. Not as much as you used to. Anyhow, and anyway, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, starting off just ever so slightly, because I always like showing you that uh, everything around you is money-driven, and it's you can learn financial lessons in the simplest of things. For instance, Christopher Nolan's movie, The Inception, Number one movie at the box office, second week in a row, pulled in another $43 million. It dropped only 31%, which surprisingly is a, a small drop. You go 31%, that's pretty crazy. It's not so bad. But Sony's movie, Salt, it didn't do nearly as well as expected. It only pulled in $36 million. Then there was a movie, um, Ramona and Beezus. It took in $8 million. Um, sadly, the characters that that movie probably more familiar to grandparents or really old parents than it was at kids that it was targeting. So it was based on a kid's book that uh, many, 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 many years ago. Um, other big stories of note and uh, tied towards the whole movies. Remember when you go to the movies, how great it used to be watch previews. And then they started superseding previews with commercials, and it started with a little thing like, hey, enjoy Coca-Cola. Go to the box office and get some Coca-Cola. It was pretty simple. But there's a company called Screen Vision, and what they're doing now is because they know you're sitting there, and they know you'll sit there 20 minutes for your movie to start. Um, you've already spent $10, $15 for your movie, right? 
but you're captive. 50 million people a month go to movies and just sit and wait. And you're going to start seeing some new advertisements. I saw a special on this over the weekend. And some of the advertisements you're going to see are, you know, tied towards your cell phone. You know how they're telling you to turn your cell phone off when you're going to a movie? Now there's going to be some advertisements that say, hey, download some goodies right here, right now. Which is actually kind of neat. It's kind of a neat 21st century thing. And again, it goes into the smartphone is a great investment. It's still got a long story to tell because that advertising angle, the advertising dollar angle. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Lawrence and Petaluma. Lawrence? Uh, yes, hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I um, have a traditional IRA, and I have... Are you there? I'm here. Are you there? Thank you. Okay. Uh, traditional IRA, I've got about $312,000 uh, in, in that account. Um, I've lost about twenty six uh, since April. How did you lose and it? Did you? Where, where is it's it? Just, it? Well, I don't know if you want me to mention names or not. But, um, How did you lose $26,000? Well, it says account value. Since April, it's gone down $26,000. So did you – are you sure you lost that money? Have you figured out exactly how much you put in and how much you didn't pay taxes on and how much it went up over time? Or are you being naive and saying your paper loss is $26,000? Probably paper loss. But um, my my history is that I had a a company buyout in 1999, and we had a big windfall from the new company that bought us out. Um. I initially invested about two hundred twenty thousand dollars in nineteen ninety nine, and now I had uh, finally I, I invested with a company over the course of ten years. Uh, after going to another company, just this last you got to start giving me. You got to stop doing this. You're making it incredibly vague. What you, one company, one company? Like no one can understand you, Lawrence. So be specific okay. with me. Tell me the who. company. The company I was employed with. Yeah, give. I mean, give details. Okay, I was employed with an insurance company that was bought by another insurance company. Okay. Okay. When they did that, they tripled our investments or whatever, our ESOP and all that stuff. Wow, good. Okay. Uh, I invested that with a, um, I guess you call them a brokerage firm. Good, um, good. I, again, I'm not going to name names, I guess. But um, over the course of 10 years, uh, that was about $220,000. Uh, I lost a lot of money, like everybody did, I suppose. I reinvested that. With I, I, didn't lo- I didn't lose a lot of money over 10 years. Well, Okay. So I'm not really okay. sure. What, what 10 years are you talking about? Um, 2000 okay. to 2010? From 1999 to about okay. Uh, 2009. Okay. About last year, I switched it over from the investment company I was with to another company, and I did pretty good. I got kind of a raise. I also took out – I retired from my company that I was working at. I took out my 401K and my pension, and I put it all together in the IRA account that okay. I have. So I, I socked about $75,000 into it. Okay, stock market uh, was up 61% last year, ultimately, from the market bottom to the recovery area where we are now. Is that – and you're, you're somehow down? I, I did get some money from that, too, yeah. Well, okay. now it looks like it's starting to go the other way. Um, my stock advisor has left the company that I – that I moved to, so I've moved with him, and he started his own business now, and he has me with a, a third investment company now. Uh, he want, and this is literally what I'm calling about. He wants to take my cash portion, which is about 122,000. He wants to take 100 of that and buy it into a uh, variable annuity series C. I wanted to get your take on annuities, Lawrence. The guy that you're you're working with, um. How do I put this? Uh, he doesn't have your best interest at heart. 
anything that you can get in a variable annuity, you can get yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to be pegged to the S&P 500 or something like that. Okay. So the reason he wants you to do that is because you're a little bit naive, and I mean this with love, Lawrence. Oh, I'm but, extremely naive. Let's pretend I know nothing about this. Well, no, no. Just, you, you basically yeah. started with – I worked with one company, then jumped to another company, then I worked with another company. You've worked with three companies. I've worked with one. Like, yeah. you got to stop jumping around because that's going to destroy your performance. When you go from an insurance angle to an investment, to a brokerage angle, and now you're going back to an insurance angle. Well, I, I worked for an insurance company. That's where I got my IRA mm-hmm. and everything. I didn't mean to cloud that issue. Variable uh, annuity, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with my third investment company, though. Yeah. Um, and I think investments take time, and they're not short-term. I think picking carefully is, is very wise up front. And thanks for the call. Like, for instance, you chose an insurance company to work with. Now, why would you, what's insurance for? Do you use your insurance today when you drove to work and you got there alive and well? No. You use your insurance in case someone rear-ends you. Use your insurance in case you run over somebody. You use your insurance in case your house falls down. You use your insurance in case you get sick. You don't go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm feeling great. Let's do some preventative maintenance. We should do preventative maintenance, but we don't. So in, in, in confusing insurance with investments, it's just like confusing baseball with football. You can't put a baseball pitcher on a football team and expect him to do well. You can't put a football player on a baseball team and expect him to do well. There's a, there's rare exceptions. There's rare exceptions like uh, who is the Bo? Bo, now I'm dropping his name. Mm. Anyway, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. You remember he could play baseball or football, and he could also, I think, like water ski. <laughs> I mean, he had some. He was a jack of all trades. So you keep changing positions. Your advisor has jumped from one to the next to the next, and that tells you he's not very good at what he does. I'm not saying that he's not very good at what he does, but it it makes you question, why is he jumping if he's so good at what he does? So variable annuities and uh, overall annuities in general, annuities are, they're okay when interest rates are six, seven, eight percent, but we're at less than one percent on interest rates right now. And the cost of an annuity, it's insurance product. So you're going to pay commissions and fees. And then they're going to go out and get you an investment investment inside this insurance product. And that investment is going to cost you commissions and fees as well. If you want investments, stick with the world of investments in the brokerage side of the fence. If you want insurance, that's a whole other thing. But insurance is typically, if it's going to serve you as cash flow, it's for wealthy people. For instance, I max out my 401k. I max out all my defined benefits plans. I max out everything I can. I max out my kid's 529 plan. I can't find any other way to save money tax deferred. And that's where annuities come in. And annuities would take over a very conservative side of my investment. But again, it's an insurance product. So I'm only going to insure the conservative side. Another place where an annuity might come into place is um, life insurance issues where I'm worth $8 million and I want to leave money to Stanford or said, you know, philosophical, philanthropical, you know, company that I totally believe in, something that, that, that regards my morals, you're confusing it. And your, your broker, who's, he's not telling you this, is on your $122,000 or $100,000 that he's going to use, he's going to make about $9,000, which means you're going to lose about $9,000. So in fees and commissions. Now, yes, it becomes a very conservative investment for you. But you could do conservative investments yourself. You don't have to pay 9% to do that. That's that's crazy. It should be illegal. 
it should have been something that Barack Obama and uh, the Democrats targeted in the financial reform, and they didn't because they got chicken. Buck, 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 buck. They got chicken. There's too much money going in their political coffers, so they got scared. It's one of the worst. I'm not going to say scams, but it's one of the worst investments you could do. I would not put my enemy's money into a variable annuity with a large chunk of change in your scenario. I would do it for me, who's young and beautiful, and maxing out everything I could max out for retirement. But I certainly wouldn't use an insurance company. I'd use Fidelity or Vanguard, and that's it, because they cut out the cost, they've cut out the fees, they've cut out the commissions, or they've cut them down to almost nothing. But again, at these interest rates, no way. No way. Uh, just uh, too low, too low of a return. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. New home sales figures came out today. FedEx reported earnings today. Um, Dow's up 59, S&P 500 up 15, no, no, S&P 500 up 8, NASDAQ up 15. So we're having a good day. We'll talk about why we're having a good day on the markets right after this break. 800-345-5639, Rob Black and your money. The Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Please join me every weekday at 8.30, 12.30, 3.30, and 6.30 on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9.10 a.m. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9.10 a.m. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Don't be shy. You're listening to Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. That means right after me is Glenn Beck. Three to six is a guy named John Gibson who's out of Fox News. I think he worked as a reporter for Fox. Or I, I'm sorry. I think he worked as a reporter for many years before he got into the radio side of the the angle. For six to seven, you get a little more Glenn Beck again. So that's your um, after Rob Black. And, of course, before me, you get Armstrong and Getty, which can't argue with that. Pretty good morning show. Pretty darn good morning show that yeah, keeps it PG-13, which I think is something you start to appreciate as you get a little bit older. <laughs> 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Uh, quiet start to a busy week. We're having a very quiet start to a busy week on Wall Street. The Dow's up 58, the Nasdaq's up 15, the S&P 500 up 8. So new home sales jumped. We're going to get into that in just a minute. So last week was a busy week. The week before was a busy week because it's in what we call earnings season. Every 90 days, corporate America has to say, we earned X amount of dollars in the last 90 days. Now, for the last 30 days, they're not allowed to say anything. They're in what's called a quiet period. The first 60 days out of those 90, they update a little bit of guidance. But, you know, like, for instance, in this case, they're reporting uh, April, May, June numbers. Okay, so we're in the month of July, so they're reporting April, May, June And what happened in June? The stock market went down. So a lot of what we're hearing out of these companies is how did their business happen in June? Because they didn't tell us the last month. They're in what's called a quiet period. So we're paying attention. We want to see it was June the beginning of the end or was June just a little bit of a swoon or was June a hiccup on the road to recovery? So very volatile, busy week last week. 157 companies are on deck to report earnings this week. Earnings so far going better than expected. Wall Street builds what's called a consensus. Wall Street builds a, a forecast. Out of 175 S&P 500 companies that have reported so far, 78% have come in better than expected. That's not bad. 78%. You know, that gets you into the Hall of Fame in baseball pretty quick. If you can hit 78% of the time, you'd be bad in 750, right? 
Now, the leaders have been tech companies, financial companies, and industrial companies. I still like the techs, and I still like the financials. I told you at the beginning of the year I like tech, uh, technology companies, financial companies, and if you want to go a little on the conservative side because you're a little bit worried, dividend companies like an AT&T or Verizon, Philip Morris International, um, Altria, or dividend companies like utilities. Those are the you know my themes out there. Market participants are looking for a lot of the same this week. You know they're beating seventy eight percent of the time, which is good. The market has a low valuation historically. So now again, low valuation is a funny thing to say out loud. Low valuation right now in the terms of the immediate instant gratification now, right? But not necessarily low valuation if the economy goes into the dumper again. Then that low valuation starts to look more expensive. Now, if the economy heats up that low valuation, boom, you get a, mar- a, a moonshot on Wall Street. So BP, today, British Petroleum, is one of those companies that's in the news. There's not a lot of news because we're in earnings season. So BP, they're replacing their CEO, Tony Hayward, um, and the stock's up 4.8%. They're replacing the Brit of British Petroleum with an American. And Wall Street likes that. Wall Street wants heads to roll when there's a problem. They want new management to come in and blame the last management. That's typically how it happens. I'm going to clean up the problem. So BP starting to make another move higher. Uh, BP hit a bottom. Months and months and months of oil coming out of the well in the bottom of the ocean. They hit a bottom and they bounced when they, they got the well mostly capped. And now they're bouncing again with a new CEO. When will they bounce again? Probably when they start quantifying the damage and saying it's going to cost a total of $78 billion or a total of $22 billion or a total of $193 billion. The number's not as important as throwing the number out there because I just threw out three numbers from $22 billion to $193 billion. And let's face it, I'm a lot cooler if the company has $22 billion in damages than I am at $173 billion. Same thing goes for you. Um, There was a little bit of news this weekend, a little bit of news this weekend out of Europe tied towards their their banking system. I honestly don't think it was enough to jump up and down and get you excited. It was tied to a couple Spanish banks who got through their stress test. So I'm not going to get you all juiced and excited on that. Now, again, last week we did report the stress test where seven out of 91 European banks uh, failed. But that means 84 passed. Now, that was a much better number than people were expecting. I'm not expecting you again to jump up and down and get all excited by that. I'm just throwing it out there as, you know, here's what it is. It's not what it it is, what it is. It's that we now know. We And again, it was a little bit too small of a number. So personally, I don't feel all that great about it. I don't feel all that confident like we really got through the stress test. I don't think the stress test was that hard. It's like, you know, you see a 400-pound man, and then the doctor says, touch your nose. Well, that's not much of a stress test. Putting that 400-pound man on a treadmill and watching him run for an hour is going to be damn entertaining. So we didn't really do that. Some areas where people say, Rob, okay, you're just giving an example of how things can get better. I'll give you an example of how things can get bad. It's the, the tax cut extensions. In my world, tax cuts stimulate economies. Now, in some people's world, I'm not saying you're Republican or Democrat, some people don't like tax cuts. Some people say, you know, states go further, federal governments go further in debt because they're not collecting what's, what's supposed to be coming in and that they've already got spending plans around. So Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke, he said extending at least some of the tax cuts set to expire this year will help strengthen the U.S. economy. That's the big issue right now. You're asking what can go wrong. Democrats still have control of Congress. 
and they could try to rush through a killing of those Bush tax cuts, a repeal of them, a no longer extension of them. They were set to expire in 2010. So where do we go with these tax cuts? I think you're going to see Obama extend them probably two years or try to get them extended two years. Democrats want to keep the 2001-2003 tax reductions passed under President George W. Bush administration for families earning as much as 250000 Republicans aim to continue the cuts for high-income people as well. So it'll be interesting. How long are they out there? If we get those tax cuts extended, Wall Street rallies. If we get those tax cuts under a political crossfire as a way of raising money, I think you're going to see Wall Street take a dumper. I know you're saying, good use of the word dumper. So... It is. It is. It is. So the market's holding on to the psychological 3% level on the 10-year treasury. Don't know what the 10-year treasury is? Just go Google it. 10-year treasury is sitting at 3% right now. And there's people like me who say you invest. You invest aggressively when you see interest rates at 3% on the 10-year treasury. Because ultimately, that's the gov- safety of the government security. If you give the government money, say $1,000, you could buy a 10-year treasury bond, which will get you 3% each year for the next 10 years. That, to me, is the definition of safety. So if you want to get better returns, you're going to have to expose yourself to risk. Now, here's the kicker. That de- definition of safety is a bit of a problem. In large part, 3% growth ain't enough to turn $100,000 into a million dollars. 3% growth is kind of a, a play on deflation or a play on protection. Bill Gross of PEMCO He basically said the same thing over the weekend in the Washington Post. He said the 30-year bond rally will fizzle out. Bonds have seen their best days. Gross has argued that equity markets represent a better long-term investment of UI share. So the equity markets represent a better long-term investment. Now let's talk ever so quickly about those housing numbers that came out. Let's see if I can find my notes on those housing numbers. Okay, new home sales, they surged. Whoops, we're out of time. Let me talk about the housing numbers when we come off break. I got kind of excited there and started talking a little bit too long. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. I got some stock ideas for you. Stay patient. Need your phone calls, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. We got a Facebook group page called I Hate Rob Black. Facebook group page called I Hate Rob Black. Email me, rob at robblack.com. Coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit of housing. I'll mix in some stock talk as well. Rob Black in your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home. from Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. Exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9 10 a.m. And now, Rob Black and your money. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. To get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 5639. It's 800 345 5639. We're allowed to disagree. You're allowed to get a good second opinion from me. I don't want you to be shy about that. Uh, earlier in the show, I was not aggressive, but. I asked the caller to be a little bit more specific because he was being a little too wishy-washy. You know, one company and another company. I was like, give me some names or give me some specifics at least. And he, he refined it and the call got much better. So when you come to the microphone, come strong. Know your thoughts. Plan them out before you call. Practice a little bit. Uh, the more specific you are, the better. It's for instance, I'll get emails all the time that, you know, hey, Rob, do I have enough to retire? It's, you know, $500,000. They don't tell me anything else. They don't tell me their age. They don't tell me their income. They don't tell me their budget. They don't tell me that they've got a wife in a wheelchair who, who, you know, needs nursing help every day. They don't tell me a lot. So the more you tell me, the better second opinion I can give you. 800-345-5639. Something that I think Americans make a huge mistake on is 
we pursue the secret deal. We pursue the the best deal possible. And sometimes I think that's a bit of a mistake. We pursue the Buddha on the mountain or the guru who is smarter than us. When CD rates are at 1%, we want 3%. Why are CD rates at 1%? Why are you trusting someone that's going to get you 3%? Because he says he can buy a CD in Pakistan or Antigua or Sweden or Iceland. Typically, if anyone promises you something that's two, three hundred percent better than normal, you're going to be taking on a crazy amount of risk. If you can't go get that product yourself and you got to pay someone to go get that product for you, you're probably taking on some risk that you don't know about. So be careful. We as a nation, for instance, I like my one percent returns on my CDs right now. Now, again, I'm, I'm making that up a little bit, I'm making that up a little bit. I'm embellishing. Bank of America will give you 1%. You know, the, your typical big national bank will give you 1% to 2% on your, your, your CDs, depending on how long you want to tie them up in that type of safety. It's a certificate of deposit. Now, if you go online, banks like Ally Bank or ING Direct or E-Trade, you can get a better rate of return because that makes sense to you. They don't have to have a building. They're online. They don't actually, you know, hold your account as much. Well, they do actually hold your account, but they use a transfer service from your current regular bank to them. And then when you need your money back, they transfer it to your bank again. So it's not a direct relationship. It's slightly indirect. The way I I put it is it's a filter on top of your current bank. And I have no problem with online banks. But then anything above that, too much risk for me. Too much risk. And I've seen too many pyramid scheme scams from people who try to hit the home run. Stop trying to hit the home run. So some data came out on new home sales today. A one-month payback period ultimately is maybe what we're looking at. Buyers return to the housing sector. Sales jumped 23% in the month of June. Now, keep in mind, they were expected to jump about 310000 They jumped 330000 If sales continue to pick up in the next few months, a severe double-dip contraction in housing could be averted. But again, there's a big assumption there. If sales continue to pick up, not stay steady, pick up. Unfortunately, not all the news and the, the, the new home sales was good. If you just read the headlines, you're kind of ecstatic. If you get a little bit more detail into it, you're not so much. Sales jumped 23%, but that was already off the lowest level in history. So in sales in May were revised 11% lower. So that 23% jump in June was partially because there was a massive decline in, in, in May. So it's not that impressive. If you actually take in the revisions, then May, then June's numbers were actually 13,000 lower than the consensus was forecasting. Now, sales are down 16.7% since June 2009. That's awful. Looking ahead to, uh, to growth in July and August, it's probably going to remain negative for the near future. Now, it's a little reassuring to see new home sales picked up to a one month on a month-to-month basis. There's no doubt about that, especially since mortgage applications remain near historic lows. And the market index continues to underperform overall expectations. Inventory levels are still too high, and they're going to remain high throughout this year. There's just too many freaking freaking homes. There's just too many homes in foreclosure. There's just too many. We're not going to burn through inventory like we want to. Unless, well, unless there's some sort of massive surprise out there. Let's talk about a couple stocks real quick. I'm getting my Motorola, my speaking the shop, my Motorola Droid X phone on Wednesday. Now, I wanted to get it last week. I went to the store and they said, nope, you got to wait a week, sir. I was like, okay, okay. So I did a little bit more data on this and Droid X continues to, it's sold out two weeks in. 
Um, strong demand for the Droid X platform with no supply available at retail. All production is going to fill pre-order backlogs. Um, they've also heard some discussions out there right now on the Droid 2. Now, you might remember the Droid 2 is the, the slide keyboard phone from Motorola. The Droid X is also a Motorola phone. So that brings us to Motorola, their stock. And how have they done, really, since announcing this whole Droid X shtick? It was kind of a $6 stock six months ago, and now it's almost an $8 stock. Stop and think for a second. What's that mean? It means 35 to 40% returns. That's not too shabby. All because of the... the, the, the can you get that in a bank? Uh-uh. Can you get that in a house right now? Uh, nope. So some of this is making total sense to you, and you're just sitting there saying, I'm just going to watch it go by. Just another boat going down the river. I'll wait for the next one. So two years ago, if you had put my hand on a Bible and said, do you swear to God you'll never buy a Motorola phone? I would have said, yep. But then they came out with a good phone, and it's getting good reviews. And goodbye to Palm. I had a Palm pre-755, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. Now I've got an Apple iPod Touch, so I don't feel like I have to have an Apple iPhone. I've got the Apple experience and a Touch iPod. I get it. I can get online. I can do everything I can do except for use the phone. I think the phone is the big negative on the iPhone. So I think the iTouch is pretty nice, the iPod Touch. And, and I feel content with that, to be quite honest with you. I don't feel like I have to go too much more. Uh, and, and I just want to know the technology because if I'm going to invest in the technology, i got to know the technology, right? So anyway, the Motorola, it's still picking up more products to come, ladies and gentlemen. More products to come. And there'll be a Droid X2, X squared, they'll call it this time next year, right? So don't ignore opportunities to make money. Now, here's an area in technology where if you were to ra- if I were to raise my hand, put it on my, my hand on a Bible and ma- raise my right hand, you swear to God, you think this is a bad idea? I'd say I do. HP is getting ready to come out with a Windows-based tablet. Now, HP has also bought Palm, remember? They also bought 3Com. So they've got some operating system software that's got some value to it. HP says they still plan to produce a tablet using Microsoft's Windows and debut it this year. Um, Palo Alto-based HP continues to work with Microsoft on a competitor for Apple's iPad. The Windows-based tablet HP will be geared towards business customers rather than casual users. Now, that's the best thing I see in this story, is that it's to be geared towards businesses and not casual users. Because HP's got this great user interface that they bought from Palm. John Rubenstein, who helped develop the iPad, jumped from Apple over to Palm. Um, it's good. It's good. And I, I hate to say this at HP, but you got one chance at this. You come out with the wrong tablet, and the iPad's going to get further ahead of you. You come out with the right tablet, and you can chomp, 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 eat in their market share. Come out with the wrong one, you've blown it. You're not going to get that many chances to impress Wall Street. So think very carefully about how it looks, how it functions. Make sure it does everything right, everything right, out of the gate. I like HP enormously. I think it's a good long-term investment. I prefer IBM over HP sometimes. Sometimes I prefer HP over IBM. I think they're both great long-term investments. But as far as consumer products go, HP's got one chance to get this pad correctly. Again, they're saying they're focusing in on businesses, and that's fine. That's fine. I get it. Because, you know, what we're also seeing is Apple starting to say, we're starting to get some traction in businesses. So Apple, for instance, you heard today, or I heard today, that there's a rumor that the United States government's going to allow iPhone users to download other applications previously not allowed. So you're starting to see some traction that Apple's gaining in government, Apple's gaining in corporate world, where before they never had. And that's why that stock's undervalued, Apple is. But for the record, I own shares of Apple. I've told you that each and every day, basically, since I've been on radio here at Clear Channel. 
that's the law. I got to disclose that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's Barry's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. Coming up, I'm going to talk a little Disney investment idea. It's not Disney, but it's investment idea around it. And we'll talk a little bit about Facebook investment idea. It's not Facebook, but it's investment idea right around it as well. Rob Black and your money, 910 AM. This is Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. And now, Rob Black. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. Heard exclusively here on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. So we're both exclusives, shall we say. Um, I'm always looking for investment ideas. I'm always trying to come up with new insight for you. Sometimes it's a little bit more work than others. You know, I say things like, I like watching video on my phone. I like watching video or television on my computer. I like all of that. And that's important to hear. It's important to listen to in large part because that's a good trend for quite a while. Now, what's actually pretty interesting about that is, and I know this is just going to shock you, shock you. I just told you a little bit um, about Motorola and the Droid X platform and how it's looking for 12 to 14 million Android units going to be the, you know, the high end of their quarter coming up on Thursday. Uh, but here's something shocking. You know, that, that is cutting edge technology. You know what's working incredibly well right now on Wall Street? It's It's got a great sizzle to it. It's not cutting-edge technology. It's almost lame technology, in my opinion. And I just need to be corrected on this. It's, it's Zynga. Zynga's going to become the Google of games. There's a great article in the New York Times, which I think is the, the paper of record. I think it's the one that you have to pay attention to. Now... Zynga, this was an article published on the 24th of July, and you know Zynga from Ormville. You know it from Mafia Wars. It can be a heady affair, you know, outsized ambitions for the company. They've got a CEO who's 44 years old. He's pretty young. He, um, their employees in the Bay Area, they are hiring like crazy. Zynga, Z-Y-N-G-A, Z-Y-N-G-A. Um, with that said, the Zynga Game Network as it's being called, has got most of the hot startup emerging buzz in the Bay Area. Their empire is made up of cartoonish online games um, that are goofy. And most strikingly, they're financially successful. Uh, The games are free, and yet they make money and large money by selling what are called virtual goods. In Farmville, it's their most popular game. Players tend to, you know, get virtual farms, they plant and harvest crops, they turn little plots of land into ever more sophisticated or cyber farms. Good farmers, those who don't let their crops wither, earn virtual currency that they can use for other things like more seed or farm animals and equipment. Players also, though, buy, you know, goods with credits. You could use your PayPal account. You could use your, you know, Facebook payment system. Uh, You can get a pink tractor that costs $3.50. You know, fuel for it costs 60 cents. A horse can be had for $4.40. Four chickens can be bought for $5.60. And you multiply these by millions of users, and it's wildly freaking profitable. Companies ballooned in nearly 1,000 employees up from 375 a year ago. And that's in the Bay Area, just dominating. Some of their investors include Google, Netscape founder Mark Andreessen. He's put $250 million. Uh, both of them put $250 million in the company. So this is something worth looking into. 
because Facebook started restricting messages on Zingo's traffic. When they started restricting some numbers on Zingo's traffic, their, their numbers dropped quickly. Farmville had a 26% drop. So you know, the games are programmed to send players updates to Facebook friends when certain actions are completed, like planting or harvesting crops. Six million Facebook users grew tired of constant updates and you know, kind of laughed at their, their friends. So Facebook started restricting those messages, and that hurt Zynga. So Zynga and Facebook started working a little bit closer together. Great article at the New York Times on this. Now, again, I throw that up because this is a billion-dollar story. This is not chump change. This is a huge opportunity. If you're looking for a job, I'd go work as a janitor at Zynga because those stock options are going to be worth millions of dollars down the road. I would go lick the toilets at Zynga. I would do anything I could to get a job there. I would sleep with like a 90-year-old HR woman. I, that is going to be a sexy job when that company goes public, as will Facebook. Don't get me wrong. And you may be a little bit too late to the Zynga party. But Disney's in the news today, and they're going to buy a social game maker called Playdom. And again, it's very, very similar to Zynga, Playdom. Um, basically, they make titles very similar to what's on Facebook, $400-750 million. Disney's looking to become Hollywood's biggest player in the fastest-growing segment of the video game business. And these are casual games. These are social games. Uh, these are not crazy. These are not hardcore uh, they are not expensive to develop. They're, they hit a broader range of demo, de, demographics. I'm going to call it demographics. <laughs> and I was like, no, the word's demographics. So Xbox and PlayStation 3, it's, it's basically young men who play those games. Uh, the 2007 acquisition of uh, what was called Club Penguin by Disney for $350 million. You know, they, they also bought an iPhone developer called Tapulous. Disney's a player here. They're aggressively in video games because, for instance, let's say you have a mother-in-law. That mother-in-law, she can play some of these games, and her money's as good as other people's money, and her eyeballs for advertisements as good as other people's eyeballs for advertisements. ESPN right now is a division of Disney, which a lot of people don't know that. ABC is a division of Disney. Um, Disney could also bring Playdom's original titles to, like, Sorority Life and Social City and Tiki Farm to other divisions. Like, they can take some of the games that Playdom have done, and they can turn them into TV shows. <laughs> Odd, as it may sound, but that's kind of where we're moving. While retail video games have been declining in the last year, a growing number of people have been playing and spending money on social casual games. So there's something called, get this, this is fantastic. This is, you're going to learn a term that you've never heard before. It's called a whale. You know what a whale is? It, well, it's an animal that swims in the sea. It's a sperm whale. It's big. But in these social games, a whale is someone who spends a lot of money, significant amounts of money, sometimes more than $100 a month to download virtual goods so that they improve the gameplay and experience, so that they look like their farm's better than someone else's farm, even though they had to pay to make it look good. And it's just, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a virtual reality game. It's not real. You don't really own the farm. So buying a pink tractor for four bucks ain't, ain't going to get you more corn on your table. It's going to make people think you got more corn on your table. So uh, a majority of the people who play social games, they spend nothing. They generate almost no revenue. And yet there's something called a whale who, who generates $100 plus a month. And um, some players will spend, if you add up in the United States this year, uh, just for Playdom, probably about $700 million in social games. 
this is a market that's going to be worth about $1.5 billion in the next three years. So that's grown a lot faster than our economy. That's grown faster than the San Francisco economy, the California economy. It's grown faster than most sectors that we invest in. Uh, Playdom is based in Mountain View, California. It's one of the biggest companies in social gaming space behind that of the giant Zynga. So these are the two big players, and Disney just picked up one of them. So that one's off the table. Now, you almost want to go out and start a social gaming site. You almost want to go out, and then you, you license it to Google. You license it to Apple. You license it to Facebook. You almost want to play to all of them right now. If you come up with a good social gaming concept, license them to all. I was with a friend Sunday morning, believe it or not, California Peach Kitchen. I know you're saying, Rob, you don't have friends. I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm, I'm doing the best I can to show people that I am worldly. And uh, we were talking a little bit about it. He, like, he wants so badly for his iPhone. And he's a little bit on the cutting edge nerd side. He wants so badly to be able to sit there while him and I are drinking beers and play a game risk, for instance. Or, we, or maybe, you know, log in and, and get a couple of his friends at work playing with a couple of his friends like me who was sitting right next to him. And, like, all of us would play the game risk. Same map, different phones, Tells us when, you know, it dishes out the, you're up next, you're up next, you're up next. Rob did this move. Rob owns the world. He's the Napoleon of this game. So you get the idea, right? So anyway, I like it. I'm with it. Um, Social games are big business. Big business. Do not underestimate them. Consider working for them if you're young and beautiful, because I think the payoff is going to be pretty good for a lot of the the employees who start sooner rather than later. If you're an employee under 100, you're going to be taken pretty good care of, even if you're cleaning toilets. Cleaning toilets not beneath me. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black and Your Money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.